Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. So how can we make this case? Well, one way we can do it is to point out to people that there's no essential difference between the embryos you once were and the adults you are today that would justify killing you at that earlier stage. Arguments cannot be religious or non-religious. Arguments can either be valid or invalid, or sound or unsound. The substance view is the idea that from when you come into existence of fertilization until you die naturally, you are the same individual at every point in your life. So if it is wrong to kill you now, it was wrong to kill you then. Uh, this is Clinton Wilcox, host of the Pro-Life Thinking Podcast, a podcast affiliated with LTI, uh, where we just discuss uh, various issues related to the abortion issue, whether it be the science of embryology or uh, philosophy related to personhood or various uh, topics that come up like the burning lab, uh, IVF lab scenario, things like that. Um, and so, yeah, so we just, um, uh, actually, I don't have my script in front of me so i'm just so uh, i i don't remember exactly make it up Clint. oh yeah okay so we don't worry about um, truth right hey. yeah exactly so well this is the first time recording a podcast where we can actually all see each other yeah, oh that, yeah. that's true as well yeah i guess that's worth worth noting that uh, now nathan and i are actually in the same room uh with each other so now we can kind of play and out you're the all men there. everything you say is disqualified right yeah, yeah exactly as, as several people today at our uh, choice chain uh felt that they should notify <laughs> us about uh so yeah so again i'm clinton wilcox the uh host of Pro-Life Thinking. This is my co-host, Nathan Apodaca. Uh, by the way, I've never actually asked you if I'm pronouncing that correctly. Is close, that... Whatever, gets, whatever gets you close enough. <laughs> okay, because that's how I always pronounce it on the podcast, and I never actually officially asked you if that's correct or not. So. Yeah. Technically, I... it's Apodaca, Apodaca is the okay. Hispanic way of saying it. If yeah. you're going to say it the English way, it's Apodaca. Apodaca, okay. All right. That's well, even better. Yeah, and, uh, and I'll, I'll also preface that. Don't you that. dare call me that, though. <laughs> I'll also preface Working that. No. Yeah, I'll also preface that by saying that he's never corrected me, so uh, so I think I'm okay there. So uh, yeah, across the table here we have Scott Klusendorf, uh pro-life speaker, uh, debater, and just all around uh, really smart, uh, really smart cookie. Uh, he's going to be giving a presentation today at uh, CSU San Marcos uh, at seven o'clock. Seven o'clock tonight, and if you're in the San Diego area, it'll be CSU San Marcos, seven p.m. in Academic Hall, room three hundred four. Hmm. Yeah. yeah, so we have him, and also joining us on our podcast, we have Tim, who is hiding behind Scott. Apparently, uh, Tim uh, is a Summit Ministries alumni and also is. an alumni yeah. of CSU San Marcos, yeah. and a guy we just randomly pulled off the street. Now, yeah, um, <laughs> right. Um, it's kind of great that we can have him on here also. <laughs> That's great. Uh, just kind of to give an introduction, both me and uh, Tim have both very mm. much benefited from Scott's teaching, um, whether through Summit Ministries and the work that LTI has performed. Right. And I, I see some people making, yeah, there we go. I see some people making comments, so I want to see if, see if we can try and, uh, there we are. Okay, so we have a lot of people saying, hey, Scott. Uh, oh, and uh, Robin 
is saying spell just like it sounds. That's uh, yeah. yeah, Robin. Oh my gosh. I, I've pretty much been pronouncing it phonetically. So uh, that that's about uh, that's how I've been been doing it. So yeah. So we we thought since we had Scott in town and since Nathan and I were both in the same area, we just um, kind of do a little live uh, broadcast. And so Nathan had a couple of topics that he wanted to uh, to bring up here. So yeah. So to... uh, two of the topics that immediately that come to mind. So both me and my. Uh, both Clinton and myself, we participated in outreach today and yesterday with the Center for Bioethical Reform in uh, the North San Diego County area. So yesterday we were at Miracosta Community College doing the Genocide Awareness Project, which is a large graphic image display that depicts abortion and compares the arguments for abortion to other acts of dehumanization throughout history. So, for example, one big similarity that is focused on is how before killing a population or a minority or oppressing somebody, we usually end up rationalizing it by throwing out terms like they're not a person, they're just um, they're a parasite, and in the case of abortion, they're not a person or they're a parasite. And so we did that yesterday, and we got a lot of good conversations. A lot of people were willing to change their minds on the issue. And then today at CSU San Marcos, we did a slightly smaller one, a pop-up display using, I would say, about five-by-five five poster boards just showing abortion and talking about it, and then also promoting uh, your talk for tonight. Yeah. And so that actually got some interesting responses, a lot of angry responses. Mm. And so the first topic I'd just like to cover real quick is why bother using graphic images in the first place if it offends people so much? Yeah, well, first of all, we have to polarize this country. We cannot have a nation where the abortion issue just goes away, and we cannot allow it to go away. Uh, did we get a delay on that? What did we get? Well, I got a pop-up saying that my storage is full. I, I don't know if that affects okay. the live broadcast at all or not. It shouldn't. We're still live. We'll assume okay. we're, we're going to keep going. Yeah. Uh, images that provoke controversy are not necessarily bad. Uh, Martin Luther King used them in the Civil Rights era. Uh, other social reformers have used them. And what they do is they force people to confront injustice they don't want to look at. And a lot of pro-lifers think, well, if we're not liked... We're not going to be effective. But I think Greg Cunningham makes a good quote. He says, look, uh, effective reformers are seldom liked and liked reformers are seldom effective. Mm. The real question here is not do some people get angry at the pictures. Of course they do. The questions we need to ask are, are the pictures true? And are more people motivated to do something about the injustice because they saw the pictures than they would be if they hadn't? That's the question. Mm. And we don't have to worry about are we liked at the moment. That's really not an issue. One other question comes to mind. This was told to me by another student, um, another Polite student who's done some amazing work in California. And uh, she says that um, there is the risk of a post-abortive woman maybe uh, considering suicide because of her grief. Mm. Uh, Has that ever been your experience, and how have you dealt with that? I have never uh, known of such a case, but by that logic, we can't communicate anything troubling because there might be something that causes suicide. A pastor can't talk about the reality of hell or the reality of salvation through Jesus alone because it might make somebody feel bad and it might drive them over the edge. Uh, Look, I'm not responsible for what other people do with the truth. I'm responsible as a Christian to convey what's right and do my best to do it graciously but do it truthfully. So uh, I'm not going to back off our essential pro-life message just because there's some very remote option out there that someone might act irresponsibly. Yeah, and you know, I think Jonathan Van Maren in his uh, recent book, Seeing is Believing, uh, Why Our Culture Mm -hmm. Needs to See the Victims of Abortion, uh, he highlights that one of the reasons why people get so emotional is they have a cognitive dissonance. They 
we'll look at a picture of an ultrasound or a pregnancy test, and if it's a wanted baby, they'll say, oh, that's so cute. Right. Oh, he's a boy or a girl. What's mm-hmm. are you going to name her? Um, how? When's the birth date? But then they will still defend abortion. Um, yeah. And we will see that all the time. We'll see that here on campus. Um, we right. had a woman who was pregnant and admitted she was pro-choice to us at yeah. one point. Yeah. Well, and, and this is, by the way, something even David Booning concedes in his book when he talks about his son Eli and says, listen, he was identical to the embryo he once was. That was Eli back there as an embryo. Yeah. That was not a blob of tissue. And yet the thesis I will defend in this book, says Boonin, is that it would have been perfectly permissible to his, have ended his life at that point. Yeah. So this cognitive dissonance is real. And one of the reasons we show the pictures is it breaks through yeah. the denial and makes people look at abortion for what it is. And oftentimes, if you don't change feeling about abortion, you're going to have great difficulty changing how people think and ultimately behave. Arguments resonate better when people see the images and then confront the intellectual content we're delivering. It makes it much harder for them to just yawn and say next. Right. Yeah. Okay, so we, we had a, do have a question here from Beth. And I'm sorry, Beth, I, I'm not sure how to pronounce your last name. Uh, she says, what about post-abortive men and women? Yeah. Well, the answer to post-abortion guilt is not to spare people the images. The answer there is to point them to the gospel, the only thing that can bring healing in their lives. And the great thing about using the pictures is the pictures communicate the bad news of our sin, but give us a wonderful opportunity to say, we have a remedy for that badness. We have a remedy for the guilt. And it's found in the Christian gospel. And by the way, that gospel can apply to you like it does everybody else. The answer is not to spare people the truth of abortion, because when we do that, we don't spare them guilt, we spare them healing. Unconfessed sin has them out of full fellowship with Christ. Hmm. You know, something else that also comes to mind is uh, we, if we old, by also people, yeah. we are not going to be in the business of being sarcastic, mean, running up to women with pictures and calling them names like murder. But we are going to be truthful about what the act of abortion is. We're not going to hide from that. And we're not going to use pictures in place of good arguments. We're going to use them as valuable adjuncts to the case that we're making. Indeed, I would argue as a necessary predicate to the case that we're making. Mm. And then we're going to point people to the gospel so they can find the healing that they need. And by the way, this is exactly the model Jesus used. If you look in Luke, there was a case where Christ is talking to people and he brings up a tower that fell on a bunch of people and Mm -hmm. they were killed. Uh, And the audience expected Jesus to say, those people had it coming. They, They were worse than us. Jesus gives them very bad news. He says, if you don't repent, you're going to perish too. Now, that is not seeker-friendly. That is not, hey, let's water down truth. Jesus was very direct, but he also included the remedy. If you repent, you won't perish. He was the remedy. He was the remedy. And as a result, the bad news opened the door for people to receive the good news. A Christian gospel without the bad news of our sin and rebellion is no gospel at all. Mm-hmm. It's simply life enhancement, and that's not going to save anyone. Yeah, so we're going to go probably for another 18 minutes or so. Uh, so if you have questions for Scott, by all means, throw them up there. up there. Yeah, so we have another question from Beth who says, uh, what do you say to the person who claims that the fetus isn't human? Uh, Well, first of all, I would ask, what is it? And I would start with a very simple question that the burden of proof would shift right back to them where it belongs. I would say, how is it possible for two human parents to create offspring that isn't human, but later become so? 
They've got to answer that, and they've got to present peer-reviewed evidence that would show that's possible, and they're not going to be able to do it. And there, there's a word of advice I would give you right now, and that is this. Stop taking the burden of proof every time somebody raises an objection. If they make a claim, the fetus is not human. All right, they bear a measure of proof on that. So my question will be, okay, fair enough. How do two human parents create offspring that isn't human but later become so? And then I would point them to the embryology textbooks we have that make it very clear that from the one cell stage, from the moment of fertilization, you've got a distinct living whole human being. Distinct, meaning not part of the mother's body. Living, dead things don't grow. And whole, meaning that even though it's small and immature, the kind of thing it is is not in dispute. That's the way I would go after that. You know, something a mutual friend of ours, Steve Wagner with Justice for All, he phrases the question in a way that I find very helpful is saying, uh, just simply asking the question, well, if it's living, then isn't it growing? Um, mm -hmm. So you can stay in the driver's seat and move the conversation in a mm -hmm. meaningful direction. Yeah, he has his, uh, what he calls the 10-second pro-life apologist, yeah, where yeah, he says, yeah. if, it, if, it's, uh, if, it's a, you know, if it's growing, isn't it alive? If it has human parents, isn't it human? And living humans like you or me are valuable, aren't they? And that, so, by yeah. the way, I would use that as my sum-up statement. Hmm. I would ask the question and put the burden of proof on them hmm. first before yeah. I even make my own claim. Yeah. Then I would come back with, that's just a perfect yeah. way to sum up. Yeah. Right. Okay, well, it uh, looks like Robin has a comment here. She says, thank you for the work you continue to do. You helped her early in her career to explain her position in a way that always uh, granted those who, who she spoke with the respect and empathy that changed the way that they viewed someone with whom they held an opposing view on such a sensitive topic. Thank you, Rob. So, yeah, uh, appreciate Scott, that. Scott is great about about stuff like that. Uh, oh, I'm sorry. I, I'm sorry. He. Uh, sorry to assume your your gender. Uh, is it Robin Kirby White? Robin Kirby. Yeah. Yeah, he's a Canadian guy. Very <laughs> sharp. Uh, incredibly sharp. And by the way, yeah. that's a good thing we're not in Canada because you could go to prison for assuming their gender. There you go. There you go. Yeah. And um, so uh, yeah, and Alex Dietrich here has a question which just went away. How do I? Uh, is there a way I can find it? Oh, uh, Alex, go ahead and post your question again. It went away, and I'm not sure how to bring it back up here. Just uh, in the meantime, though, uh, something else that really I found that makes the images very uh, realistic is it communicates the pro-life syllogism that we've been stressing yep. in a way that even <laughs> words can't. Yes. It really... Oh, I can do that. I mean, if you want to go uh, go over that real quick, um, just review it for the audience. Yeah, our, our pro-life syllogism, which, by the way, is very useful because it keeps the main thing the main thing. Our argument is premise one, it's wrong to intentionally kill an innocent human being. Premise two, abortion intentionally kills an innocent human being. Conclusion, therefore abortion's wrong. And the beauty of that is we don't have to rely on pro-life sources to back up premise two, which is where most people want to challenge us. We can bring out quotes from Camille Paglia. We can bring out quotes from Dr. Warren Hearn, America's leading abortionist. We can bring out quotes from David Boonin. We can bring out quotes from a whole lot of people. Uh, Ronald Dworkin, that make our case that abortion is intentional killing of the human fetus. And we are not relying strictly on pro-life rhetoric here. We are actually relying on people on the other side who are willing to concede this. And I think that syllogism helps us keep the main thing the main thing. Then when we add the images to it, it's mm. further evidence that we're, yeah. we're being truthful. Okay, so Alex's question is, what do you say to the claim that the existence of abortion providers lowers the overall abortion rate? The existence of abortion providers lowers the overall abortion rate. 
Now, why would anybody believe a thing like that? And yeah, I uh, actually have seen this. There it was a meme going around on Facebook that supposedly showed the pro, the abortion rate uh, t- going okay. up after Roe versus Wade and then tanking it. in the 1990s. Yeah. Now, just uh, just to clarify, no person is going to make that claim and pass a statistics class, an introduction to statistics class, right? Because they're confusing correlation with causation. With causation, and they're not comparing like with like either. Yeah. But but I thought the question was the existence of abortion providers. Is this actually asking the legality of abortion makes the rate go up versus yeah. down? Is that that seems yeah. to be what the question? Yeah, Alex, is. maybe if you could be a little more specific. Oh, well, he says I agree. It's or, maybe it's a she. I don't know if I've ever no, actually seen a picture of Alex. Okay, that's what I thought. But yeah, he says I agree. It's bizarre. Uh, I, I'm guessing maybe it's a claim similar to that that Rachel Held Evans was making regarding voting for Clinton. That that that's going having, to help the unborn. Yeah. yeah. Well, voting for this Clinton would. Yeah, yeah, well, yeah. yeah. Well, for yeah, but uh, yeah. So I, I'm guessing maybe it's along those lines that the the legalization of abortion actually helps lower it. Well, let's somehow. answer that one really so. quickly. Uh, this has come up in debates I've done with Malcolm Potts, for example, at mm-hmm. UC Berkeley, mm-hmm. and he'll always compare Romania, what happened in Romania, and mm-hmm. make the claim that's what will happen here in the U.S. Well, that's not comparing like with like, and you're mm-hmm. right. He's also making the error of confusing causation and correlation. Uh, But look, just because abortion rates went up in a country that is communist Mm -hmm. in Romania at the time uh, doesn't mean they're going to go up here if we make abortion illegal. And what what I think we need to look at is what happened when abortion was made legal here. That's, Mm -hmm. That's the first line of evidence. And what we saw was within five to six years of abortion becoming legal in the U.S., we were talking a million and a half abortions a year, where the previous estimates were, even by those who were liberal, that the most outrageous claim for the number of illegal abortions a year might have been around 300,000. So we went from 300,000 to 1.5 million and even up to 1.6 million, I think, in 1990. Yeah. Uh, one, one way I, I constantly see pro-choice people abusing abortion statistics is they'll look at, at numbers now and they'll say, look, all of these countries have abortion legal. The numbers are much lower. Right. So if we were to make abortion illegal, uh, oh, somehow that came up. Uh, yeah, so, so look at all these other countries. All of these other countries have legal abortion, so uh, and they're much lower, a lot much lower rate than, than mm-hmm. uh, you know. So if we were to make abortion illegal, it would raise it because all of these legalized abortion countries have lower rates of abortion. Yeah. But of course, that like I said, not comparing like with like because there are a lot of other factors that go into it. How Absolutely. many of these countries are struggling with poverty because that's an yeah. indicator for high abortion rates. And so yeah, so they're, so they're kind of just abusing the, the statistics. And there's a fundamental flaw it. in the argument, and that is this. Notice it assumes the unborn are not human. Well, right. Because otherwise what we're saying is that because some people will die attempting to intentionally kill other Mm. innocent human beings, we ought to make it safe and legal for them to do it. Right. Uh, And that is not going to be a a Mm. healthy way to argue. Yeah. So Beth uh, has another question here. What do you say to the person who says that he or she is happy that his or her baby was aborted? How do my feelings about something change what it is? Suppose I'm happy that my kid is locked in a closet. Does that make it morally permissible? My feelings about something don't change what it is, and it also says nothing about its natural rights. Uh, This is simply a, a cultural thing we get where people think that because they desire something, it's therefore right. I desire a right to die, therefore I have a right to die. I don't like my kid. I'd rather have him aborted. Therefore, I have a right to abort him. 
And boy, that just makes for Mike makes right. If the guy's more powerful than you, mm-hmm. happen to not like you, we've got a snuff problem going on. So right. uh, that's a terrible way to argue. It's a terrible foundation for human rights. I got one that's better. Each and every human being has intrinsic dignity, and their lives should not be taken intentionally without just cause. That's the only foundation we're going to be able to build a yeah. solid human rights foundation on. Yeah, and so Alex provides a little bit more detail here. He says, I think they often claim because abortion providers provide contraception and other services that ultimately they are lowering the abortion rate even though they provide abortions. Well, does the KKK become a benevolent organization because it gives poor women free medical care? I mean, mm-hmm. good deeds do not atone for bad ones. Yeah. Right. Uh, and just because Planned Parenthood might do some other medical uh, procedures, and by the way, I've seen studies indicating they, they're a little bit overstating the, the benefit of that. Mm-hmm. But that aside, um, just because they do some good things doesn't atone for the bad things they yeah. do. Yeah, uh, and therefore that argument isn't going to fly uh, morally at all. Right. Yeah, yeah. So we've got about uh, eight minutes or so left. If you have any other questions, get them in here. Um, no more at the moment. So feel free to just wanted to anyone uh, kind of return back to our essential pro life argument. Um, and this is a conversation that came up time and time again yesterday while we were doing outreach at Maricosta. Was and actually two women came up to me, two separate conversations, who said they were pro life but challenged me and said, what are you doing to help women not end up in these situations in the first place? So to give a little context to one, a nursing student came up to me and said, well, I work in women's healthcare, and what are you going to do for a woman who is in a bad situation, maybe Mm -hmm. domestic violence, and she's going to give birth to the child. The child could die in that Mm -hmm. environment, and she Mm -hmm. could die as well if she gives birth. Yeah. Well, I think pro-lifers need to stop. They need to stop buying the premise that because we oppose the intentional killing of an innocent human being, we are responsible for solving all of societal ills. Mm. ER doctors and nurses save the lives of drug addicts off the streets day in and day out, and yet they release these drug addicts back into the street where they go back to the same needles, do the same thing again, and nobody looks at those doctors and says, well, what are you doing to provide education for these drug addicts? What are you doing for post Uh, surgery treatment to help them not be addicted again? Uh, What are you doing to make their economic situation better? No, we applaud the doctors and nurses for their compassion in caring for someone, even though that person's social problems aren't addressed by the doctors and nurses in the medical community. Nobody hated on Mr. Rogers because he cared for toddlers, not teenagers. And yet pro-lifers are told, hey man, if you don't take on all these social issues, you cannot be credibly pro-life. You are responsible for the opiate crisis. You are responsible for unjust immigration law. You are responsible for the poor. You cannot be pro-life and not be for programs for the poor. And the list goes on and on and on. Nobody says to the American Cancer Society, you have no right to call yourself a healthcare organization because you're not dealing with other diseases like lupus, Crohn's disease, heart disease, and strokes. No, we applaud them for carving out a niche that needs to be addressed and giving their all to address it. Pro-lifers are doing the same thing. We see an immediate need. We see an issue where a million human beings a year are being intentionally killed, and we're going to do our best to do something about that. That doesn't make us responsible for everything else. Now, having said that, because I don't want to buy the premise, the truth is we've got pregnancy centers all over this country helping women. We've got pro-lifers willing to adopt. It's simply untrue we don't care. 
And there's a great article at the public discourse called The Lazy Slander of the Pro-Life Cause that you may want to go look up. It's a very helpful piece that, mm. that helps us uh, see the, the fallacy in this. Yeah, that was on The Federalist, was it? No, that's or on the public discourse. Public discourse. Now, it okay. may have also been published elsewhere. Yeah. Something else okay. that, uh, uh, just to kind of bounce off of that, Dennis Prager has said in a video for his website, yeah. Prager University, that we have to ask, stop asking the question, does it feel good, and ask the question, does it do good? Right. And many times I think we also have another example of begging the question where people assume that only the government can provide these services right. and not private initiative. Right. Mm-hmm. They confuse charity with government program. Yeah. And by the way, the Catholic Church hierarchy bought into this in the 1930s. They mm-hmm. bought the notion that charity means bigger government program. Mm-hmm. And they default began endorsing all these leftist programs that weren't necessarily helping the poor. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, Anita Chris says, thank you for continuing to bring this message to our culture. Uh, David says, I like how a good friend of mine might have addressed that. He would say that, that we don't, he would say, quote, that we don't take responsibility for all social ills does not change the fact that abortion kills a baby, end right. quote. Uh, Robin says, we started fostering two years ago. Yeah, I'll, I'll get to Bess in just a moment. Uh, she's asked a couple questions, so I just want to make sure I get to everyone here. So we'll, we'll address yours in just a moment here, Beth. Uh, Robin was saying, we started fostering two years ago. What's, what surprises, uh, uh, it looks like a typo or something. What surprises be is the reaction from the pro-choice community heralding our decision to help the little babies? I'm not sure what the question is there. Um, yeah, Robin, we'll need the clarification on your on your your second sentence there. It's nice to hear from Anita, by the way, very effective pregnancy center director, uh, outstanding uh, pro-lifer. Good to see her here yeah. down here, still doing good work. Yeah. So, best question is, what about the claim that those offering help outside the abortion facility are shaming women? Um, I would need to see what they mean by that. You mean they're making them think twice about the decision? Uh, I don't call that shame. I call that uh, trying to reawaken our moral compass. Uh, is it uh, that we're afraid that telling women they're wrong is somehow equivalent with shame? Well, by that definition, we can never correct someone. Mm-hmm. Um I do think there's an effective way to maybe work outside the clinic. Perhaps the pictures are, and Joe Scheidler and uh, Eric Scheidler do this in, in Illinois outside Chicago clinics. What they will do is they will display the pictures on the route toward the clinic, but the last message the woman hears is, we will help you. Mm-hmm. So that last moment message is one of, there's a better way out for you and mm-hmm. we're here for you, and yet the pictures still get shown in route. Okay, I think I figured out Robin's. Uh, I, I don't think it's a question. I think it's a statement. I think it, I think he meant to say what surprises me. So he says we started because I was I was reading yeah. and trying to pinpoint it as you were talking. So uh, yeah, so he says uh, we started fostering two years ago. What surprises me is the reaction from the pro-choice community heralding yeah. our decision to help the little babies. I think that's mm-hmm. what he was saying. Mm-hmm. Okay, so then David. Oh, okay, thank you, Robin. Uh, so he says you're right. Um, So David says, Scott, would you please speak from a legal perspective about the issue of California forcing pro-life pregnancy centers to promote abortion? And yes, I realize you're not an attorney. (laughs) Um, Well, uh, the good news is it it appears the Supreme Court is going to take this up directly, and Mm -hmm. we should know something by the uh, middle of the summer. I'm guessing it'll come out as uh, the last decisions of the term, Mm -hmm. and it's a biggie. It's absolutely huge. Look, if you don't have religious liberty to refrain from promoting something that goes against your entire worldview. This is not a question of pregnancy centers tolerating abortion clinics in the community. This is saying they have to take a role promoting what they call evil. 
Uh, this has to be struck down. And I'm actually, mm. without being a legal mind, I'm pretty confident it is going to get struck down. Mm. I think that's over the top, even for a Justice Kennedy. Yeah, I, I don't yeah. see how I don't see how any judge could mm-hmm. could not figure that it, it's a violation of, of free speech. It yeah. also makes no that. sense, even from an economic perspective. Mm-hmm. You wouldn't go to Walmart and tell them that you absolutely have to advertise for Target, which is your competition, or go right. to Amazon and say you absolutely yeah. have to advertise for eBay. Yeah. Right. Yeah. It, it, you just you wouldn't do that in any other context. So and, why this context? And given most of these pregnancy centers are religiously grounded yeah. centers. They're all connected with either CareNet or Heartbeat Obria. or NIFLA or Obria. Right. These are all religious largely conservative and Catholic centers, and to force them to go against their views, I mean, what a violation of religious liberty, First Amendment violation, you name it. The state of California has been very radical in its commitment to abortion. I'm sure you've heard about SB 320 here in the state of California, which would, uh, for those who don't know, it's a bill that would require the student health centers on campus, which are paid for by student funds, Mm -hmm. uh, to... promote and provide the RU486 abortion pill. Yeah, on campus, through the campus clinics, yeah. Now, aside from the fact that the campus clinic is not even in any way set up for that kind of an outpatient treatment, Mm -hmm. there needs to be a push, I think, to get the abortion pill reversal treatment uh, available on the campus as well. Because most women, they go through this and they're not even, they're having abortions in their dorm rooms, essentially. Um, Just kind of curious what your response would be on something like that. Well, uh, I think it's a prudential one, and it would go like this. There may be battles we cannot win, and we ought to focus on the ones we can win. Um, We're not going to outlaw uh, RU-46 at this point. Mm -hmm. We do have the option of limiting the evil done of abortion. And so if it could be shown that putting our resources into fighting Uh, for abortion pill reversal and making colleges do that, which I find it very difficult to believe we'd be able to pull that off here in California. Mm -hmm. You'd have to convince me that's a winnable fight. Um, Now, there are Christians who come along and say, well, we have the power of the resurrected Jesus. We shouldn't even ask if it's winnable. Everything's winnable. Well, then they ought to stop this. I mean, they would have that power. They can go do it. But uh, the reality is that we have to be prudential in where we relegate our resources, and I think yeah. we need to be careful about a battle that seems to me, in this case, to be very difficult to win. Hmm. Uh, a better battle would, would be, let's fight for religious liberty. Let's fight to limit the evil of abortion as much as we can until yeah. all children are protected. We're not going to quit with anybody. Yeah, so, so Beth says the website is abortionreversal.com. Yeah. And if anyone is more is interested in more information on abortion reversal, mm-hmm. we've actually... Abortion, our, pill, uh, abortion pill reversal. Uh, yeah. Oh, is it? There is a little bit of confusion about that. Yeah. It doesn't revert. It only uh, works with the RU486 yeah. abortion pill. Okay, so w- would the website then be abortionpillreversal.com? Yeah, APR.org. Um, also, okay. Culture of Life Family Services. It's a San Diego-based pro-life healthcare organization. Yeah. Uh, Dr. George Delgado is a good friend of mine, and he works actually not yeah. uh, not too far from here. Yeah. Yep. Um, they are phenomenal, and they have a worldwide network of nurses. Yep. Yeah, and so uh, if you're not familiar with our Pro-Life Thinking podcast, I'd encourage you to go check it out. But we've also had an episode where we actually had Dr. Delgado on our podcast to talk about abortion pill reversal. So if you're interested in that, by all means, peruse the website. But you can also check out our podcast and uh, listen to our, our conversation that we had with Dr. Delgado for more information on that. 
Um, so we're coming up here to 3.30. Uh, there's another question here. Take it from David Wanamaker. I know that guy. He's a complete heretic, but I like him. Uh, well, actually, we already, uh, we already answered his oh, question. We? Okay. But we have a question from Alex. So I was thinking maybe we could take his question and then we can bring it to a close. Yeah, sure. By okay, so Alex then asks, what suggestions do you have for men looking to get more involved in spreading the pro-life message? All right, number one, you need to become a reader and you need to yes. master the moral logic of the pro-life position. By the way, this goes for women, too. The days of pro-lifers not being better read than our opponents have to end and end now. So that means you need to be reading book, uh, books like uh, The Unaborted Socrates by Peter Kraft. You need to be reading books like Greg Kokel and Frank Beckwith's book, Relativism. That means you, means you need to be reading book uh, books like, oh yeah, I guess this one helps a little bit. Uh, the Case for Life, yes, that, yeah. that guy is worth a read now and then. Um, I would pick up uh, Randy Alcorn's book, Pro-Life Answers to Pro-Choice uh, Questions, is a nice introductory text. Then you need to graduate to the big boys. Frank Beckwith's book, Defending Life. Chris Kayser's book, The Ethics of Abortion. Pat Lee's book, Abortion and Unborn Human Life. Mm -hmm. Then after you've read those guys, now you need to jump over and read our opponents. So you need to read Michael Tooley on abortion and infanticide. You need to read David Boonin and know both his desire argument and his attempted defense of Judith Jarvis Thompson. Mm -hmm. uh, so I say crack the books and learn your stuff, then you need a good speech course. And there you need to talk to, uh, you can talk to me or you can talk to Dr. Mark Newman, who is the best speech trainer I know. And uh, you can uh, learn how to communicate your pro-life views uh, effectively. We're all apologists now. The idea that just a few pros are out there doing all this, no, everybody's an apologist. All of us in this room, including Tim, who's hiding here and doesn't want right. to be seen, but we're going to put him in the picture. There he is. Um, he hadn't said anything, but but yeah. he is an apologist. Yeah, he, he's been helping me uh, keep an eye on the chat. Too, okay, for so a question, okay, so. you are yeah. useful then. So, yeah, we'll keep so he's you been, around. He's been, he's been useful. Yeah, right. You, you function all right. So right. you need to know how to defend your pro-life views, and we don't want to use bad arguments. We want to use the best arguments, and yeah. we want to be prepared to give an answer for the hope that lies within us, and that means you got to read. Just a small caveat to add on to that, something that you told me back when I first started working with you guys, not even just reading, mastering. I tell people every time I give them a book, I say, destroy that copy. You should Carve not be able to read it. But Carve yeah. it up. Yeah, so David here is saying, politically correct death by Frank Beckwith was yes. the best debate prep he ever had. Uh, next to training from Scott, Greg Cunningham, and David Lee. And actually, I believe, uh, don't quote me on this, because I actually haven't actually read Politically Correct Death, but I have read Defending Life. And I believe Defending Life is basically an update of Politically Correct Death, isn't it? Or... It takes on the legal aspect of it. It, it, it does, uh, but I will say that they're, the two books are worth having, because okay, so, the so... overlap is not total. Okay, so so yeah. they, they actually both be worth reading for the content. Okay, yeah. Okay, well there we go. Yeah. So okay, so we've basically come up to the end of, of our time here. Uh, if you're if you happen to be in the uh, this is San Marcos, right? Yeah. If you happen North. to be in the San Marcos, I'm out of town because uh, I live in Fresno, so I, I took a train uh, yesterday to come to San Marcos. But if you're in the area, seven o'clock tonight in the academic hall. Academic Hall at CSU San Marcos, and this is the San Marcos campus, not the Temecula campus. If you go there, you're going to be lost. Okay, well, there you go. Um, yeah, so I, I really want to thank everyone here for tuning in, and thanks for, for all the questions, all the great questions you've been supplying. And everyone here is, is thanking you, of course, uh, Scott, uh, for all you do. Thanks, everybody, uh, for joining us. Yeah, so... Uh, thanks, you, Clinton, for hosting this. Oh, yeah, no, my pleasure. Happy to have you here. As you can see, we have our microphone set up. Uh, unfortunately, it hasn't really been helping us for the live video uh, because we're going through my phone. But uh, but we're, we've been 
recording through Audacity because I'm also going to be recording, be releasing what we've been talking about tonight uh, through our podcast, which is Pro-Life Thinking. So if you want to go, go back and listen to the answers that Scott gave again, or if you know someone who might have missed this live uh, broadcast, check out our Pro-Life Thinking Facebook page, as well as you can go to blogtalkradio.com slash pro-life thinking, and you can find us there. And uh, we'll be releasing this just as, just as soon as I do the post-production editing on the uh, Audacity file. And if you so. want to get an LTI speaker into your local Catholic or Protestant high school and you're willing to help us negotiate negotiate our way in, we'd love to talk to you. So drop us an email through our website. Yeah, Alex is saying uh, come to Minneapolis sometime. So Hey, you book me into two or three Catholic high schools and Protestant high schools up there. Yeah. You got a deal. We'll, yeah. we'll make it happen. Okay, so uh, yeah, so once again, thanks, uh, Scott. I really appreciate yeah, you taking the time out to, to talk with us here. Yeah, um, yeah so again, uh, thanks for joining us, and yeah, we'll, we'll see, you, uh, see you around. Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky. Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.